number 102. Jesus, wonderful Lord.
AARP Magazine has a little article. It is called, in its latest issue, 10 Most Influential Songs of All Time. Would you like to know what those 10 most influential songs of all time are, according to their list? I would tell you it is not a hymn from a hymn book. And the influential songs are secular songs, and I recognize some of them, but most of them I don't know. But it was songs that made someone feel good, nostalgic, sentimental, things like that. Now, I am not criticizing that. I'm simply saying music has a powerful effect on people. And the songs in the hymn book, they should have a powerful effect on you. That last two songs that we, we were, uh, were singing, or tried to sing, you got so close, it's hard to sing it. But if you're trying to sing that song, if you're noticing the lyrics of the songs, those are influential words. Yeah. And if there are words in a song that's influential in your life, it should be songs that point you to Jesus Christ, or something about the Christian life, or something that helps you to grow, be stronger, things like that. Something that helps you to be a better Christian. And those are the songs that influence you. And I, my suggestion to you is, um, don't follow the hymn books, but um, get, get a hold of some good songs, some good meaty songs, something with truth in it, something that doesn't wear out, uh, to help you throughout your day. Um, you will think about some things, meditate upon some things that are good for you, uh, some things that are not so good for you, but some things that you want to meditate upon are those that are encouraging, spiritual type of music, songs, hymns, spiritual songs that Jesus says. So make that a point in your life in the new year especially, and uh, try to try to practice what the theme is for this year already. Draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. James 4.8, that's the theme for the new year, which is uh, not every service is gonna be about that, but the overarching theme for the year, at least for the first quarter, because we might change it, is to draw close to God. Now. I'll give you some reasons why you should draw close to God and how you can do that. And so I hope you'll be available. I know that, uh, uh, let's see, I'm looking right at her. She'll be gone next Sunday because of duty. And then she'll be off to sea for a month and a half. Um, Abigail, so she said earlier that she's going to be away. And then uh, he's been gone next week because of duty. So things like that take place. But uh, as much as possible, if you're not sick or if you're not... Um, um, somewhere else in this world, try to be in church too. Try to learn how to get closer to God. That'll be the best and the greatest and the most important relationship you can cultivate. If you're married, stay close to your spouse. If you have kids, be close to them. If you know God is your savior, try to get closer to him. That's the best relationship that you can cultivate. And I use the word on purpose because it takes effort to get closer to the Lord. Like it does get closer to your spouse. So on like that. Sometimes a bad relationship can be mended. Um, I read about a man who is uh, in his 60s, has a 34-year-old son. They got into a little argument over money. Imagine that. Arguments for money. He had a business, and because he had a business, he had profit. Because of that, he was able to send his son money for his college. Because of COVID, things fell apart, as they did a lot of businesses, and he had to find out his business. So he stopped sending money to his son. His son got very upset with him because he could not receive any money for his college. And so they didn't talk. He didn't talk for a long time. Thanksgiving, Christmas, wouldn't respond to uh, any text messages or emails. And then um, recently, he gave, he, his wife gave birth. And so um, he went to see the grandson, first grandson. So 
uh, the boy did sit down a lovely kind of thing, but afterwards he would not reply to any messages to him. He was very cold to him. And so, um, who knows what happened, but that could have been mended. That could have been fixed if someone really wanted to. And sometimes it takes two people to reconcile. Sometimes one person cannot reconcile with another person because the other person doesn't want to reconcile. When it comes to drawing close to God, God is not the one that needs to be reconciled to you. We need to be reconciled to Him. So we need to be the ones to draw close to Him. And in response, He will respond. He will draw nigh to us. So you are as close to God as you want to be. That is the truth. And so I, I hope that you'll uh, think about that and try in the next few months, in the new year, a good place to start over again, don't you think? It's a good time to restart, recharge, redo, start again, start reading the Bible again, through, and uh, pick up where you left off or try to recover or try to get back in your feet kind of thing. So we hope that you do that and take advantage of the opportunities. All right. Uh, Let's see, uh, Mike is out working today. He works at a restaurant in the North Shore. And uh, today's the day when she just has to work because of the nature of the day. And so good for him. And then uh, some of his, I think one of the boys is sick too. Little kids get sick a lot, seems like. I wonder why that is. Is it because they're human? Or, they what? The immune system hasn't... They need to play more dirt, right? And not wash their hands and get stuck up their fingers. And they should do that. When I was a boy, we did the same thing. We never got sick too much. I still don't get sick too much. It's because um, when you try to be healthy, you get sick. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Uh, have you had your flu shot yet, anybody? I was about to get my flu shot. I haven't got one yet. Because I got one in my lifetime, and afterwards, I felt a little funny. Uh, um, Tim always took flu shots every year and he always got sick. That's it. I don't do that. Anyway, it's up to you. But uh, spiritually healthy is what you want to try to be. Uh, Miranda has a biopsy on the 12th of January, is that right? 12th. So keep her in prayers. And then uh, um, other people have things to run through. So keep one of them in prayer. Take your prayer list and go over them. Um, if not occasionally, maybe. If not daily, maybe occasionally. And uh, pray for one another, all right? It's very important to do that. And let them know, too, that you're praying for them. That's also important. And so this this thing about relationship, this thing about feelings, is very important. Um, people need to know that you care for them. People need to feel like you care for them. You may be absolutely, absolutely correct in your teaching and your theology, but people don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care, which is very true among Christians. And so it's not just Christians to be unsafe, it's Christians to Christians. So as a church, you need to be careful about how you, um, um, you need to be alert, conscientious about the needs and feelings of others. My daughter's church is um, it's a small church, and they have uh, older people in it, and yet they have a very caring body. One of the, the piano player, her husband is blind, he's a song leader. She recently has gone through some physical trials and she had to go get a procedure done. And while she's doing that, my daughter, was it for a week? I just did one. Yeah, I know, but she made a meal for each day, a week, yeah. for a week. So she got little trays and things so that they don't have to have. And the other people in the church, too, they reach out to one another. So that's a very healthy thing. 
You don't want to just hear about those things. You want to be like that too. So they are a good example of caring for each other. It's a healthy thing. Yeah. It's a healthy thing. So don't don't be solitary. Don't be on island. I encourage you to, to know about things through a prayer request. Ask, reach out. Don't just be passive. Don't just look at their prayer list and say, oh, you know, prayer for them, God bless them. And forget about that. You know, the Bible talks about that. James says, don't just say God bless you when you can give that person's coat a coat to wear. Galatians talks about that too. Bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so uh, don't assume someone else is going to do something. You do what you can for somebody else. All right? Now, sometimes you may not know about things. If you'd like to help someone, let me know. And I need to know too what's going on so that I can be able to um, reach out to other people to help people that I cannot help. So let's work like that. Let's be let's let's function as we should function, not be solitary and not be isolated within our own little self. Me, myself, and I kind of attitude. Let's not be that way. Let us reach out to other people within our own church, especially. Okay, now if you're gonna reach out to missionaries, okay, fine, you can help them fight, you know, fight. But don't neglect the home front. The home front has to be healthy for it to continue to help those away. Does that make some sense? I hope it makes some sense to you. Okay, so take care of your own. Take care of your own. Take care of your own. And then you can take care of other people too. All right? I don't need to lecture. I'm not lecturing. Hope. Am I lecturing you? Do you feel lectured too? Raise your hand if you feel lectured too. If you say, well, that was helpful. Thank you. Raise your hand. If you're really not here, but you're here, raise your hand. Oh, you know, it's going it, to, this holiday season is about done already, but uh, people getting back to the mood and working, but uh, traffic and all that, but I hope you've enjoyed your days off from whatever, from work, if, if that, and um, you've had a good Christmas time and everything, and that there was no um, uh, lot of bills to face in January, I hope not for you, and then tonight is New Year's Eve, and so too many noise in a lot of places, and we're going to start early, as it always does, you know, climax about midnight, as it always does, I don't know what you're going to be doing, but uh, you can, look, you don't have to be up to midnight to welcome the New Year, you can be, whenever you go to bed, Shut the windows, keep the smoke out, and uh, still have a, a a good New Year's Eve with your family or who you know what I mean. But have to be up somewhere. A lot of folk in Waikiki tonight. I won't be there. I'm gonna be at home, I think. And uh, so enjoy this last day of the year because it has already come. And then the next year will start before you know it. And before you know it, it'll be February. It'll be Valentine's Day before you know it. And then it's gonna be in March. And then I even keep moving so fast. I'm gonna be here to think that days move by quickly. Okay? <clears throat> and the rest of you, you're not aware of what's going on. <laughs> uh, Lord willing, this coming year, uh, a baby will be born. That'd be good news. A baby will be born. And uh, uh, yeah, that's, be, that's exciting. Okay. Um, that time my daughter said one time, she said, we have a new addition to the family. And I said, what? Because she's always said three is enough. So I think she means it. <coughs> but we have a new addition. She sent pictures for her phone. You know what it was? A new puppy. <laughs> a cute little puppy. Looks like a lab kind of puppy. Really cute. Is that big? Okay. Yeah, already. So that's a new addition. So threw me off, right? <laughs> so we hope God gives good surprises in the new year. Uh, I tell us have COVID, uh, mom and dad, and the little baby is okay. You ever seen a cuter baby than that? 
What's her name? Elise. Elise? She is so cute. She still looks like a, the Pillbury Doe girl. <laughs> She's got puffy cheeks. She's so cute. And, um, uh, yeah, cute baby, but number two than my babies. That is, that is the truth. All right, but you're, when you're, your babies are all cute, I understand that. All right, I asked Nathan to preach today, and uh, he was available, so I'm going to step aside and sit in the back. Not by the donuts, but in case any latecomers come in, I'm there to welcome them. Uh, so anyway, I'm going to step aside. Nathan, always happy to hear him preach. Good morning, and early happy new year. Please, the second Peter chapter three. 2 Peter chapter three. I was expecting to. Uh, we had most of our uh, Chinese congregation was not going to be able to be there today, so I said I'm just going to have the family and whoever else can be there just, just stay in the English service. And so I was mentally preparing just to sit and listen. But I did have a message that I prepared to preach to the Chinese service, and, and so uh, that's what I'll preach this morning. So it's always a blessing to get to preach to you, and to get to preach in English without having to translate back and forth. It's, it's a nice break. This is a break, actually, to get to preach in just English without having to preach in Chinese, too. Second Peter chapter 3. If I slip into Chinese, just look at me funny. Because sometimes I do that. When I'm preaching English and Chinese back and forth, I'll start rambling in one language and forget to translate, or I'll speak in Chinese and forget that I haven't said something in English that I should have said. It happens. The brain is getting older. This is true. Second Peter chapter three. I want to talk to you this morning about how to how to step into a new year. That's what we're about to do. And, you know, the reality is a pastor I heard many years ago, he kind of popped my bubble about my view of the new year for just a few seconds. He popped my bubble. He said, you know, really, when the new year rolls around, nothing really changes. And, you know, technically, that's true. Nothing actually changes just because the date changes in the calendar. But the reality is God has established days and, and years and seasons, and uh, it is a good time to think about what what happened in the past year uh, what do I need to change what do I need to repent of what do, where, which areas do I need to grow in what goal should I try to set for this coming year a year is, is a blessing from God that you know I'm glad it's not longer than 365 days I'm glad it's not short it's just right and every time we take a trip around the sun which is what you're, unless you're a flat earther uh, every time we take a trip around the sun, we should thank God for bringing us on that journey one more time. Right. And uh, asking for his guidance and his blessing uh, as we enter the, that second trip around the sun. <laughs> uh, speaking of flat earthers, I saw this the other day. I thought this might be a blessing to you. You ever think about what uh, a flat earther thinks when he realizes that he's been breathing the atmosphere and not the atmosphere flat? <laughs> Second Peter chapter 3 Every day I try to bless my children With a dad joke And I didn't this morning So there it was Second Peter chapter 3 And 
I really want to preach on verses 9 through 18 and, and point out some of the, the highlights there. But to get the background to that, we need to read verses 1 through 8. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, Peter saying, I've already written to you 1 Peter, this is now 2 Peter. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Now, a Christian can have an impure mind, and a Christian can have a pure mind. And Peter was saying that these people had pure minds. Whoever he was writing to, they had pure minds. I want to stir up that part of your thinking by way of remembrance. I want to remind you of some things. That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. And I'm making some comment as we go through these just to set the stage for the second half of the chapter. A lot, I watched last night a video about this, thing, this movement called Progressive Christianity. It was known about 15 years ago as Emergent Christianity. And basically they're the same thing. But Progressive Christianity has, has really one thing in mind. In, 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 uh, mind. One thing in common. It's a broad movement, but essentially it is this. You are your own authority. And because they want to call it Christianity, they have to not throw the Bible out, but they place themselves in authority over the Bible. And so I watched in this video about progressive Christianity. It was a pastor explaining how it works. He's not a progressive Christian. He was showing what it is, and here's biblically what's not right with it. But he played clips, video clips, of people who are leaders in the progressive movement. And one of them, one of the progressive pastors, said that uh, when I read the Bible, especially the Old Testament, I take Jesus with me. Okay? And... When I read something that I think, hmm, I wonder if that's right or not, I ask Jesus, what do you think about that? And what Jesus says to me is, he said this, Jesus in me says to me, what do you think about that? And I say, well, I don't think that's the way it ought to be. And Jesus says, you know, I think you're right. And the pastor was explaining this says, that's the bobblehead Jesus. Have you ever seen a bobblehead? Some of you might have a bobblehead in your car. It's the little thing that sits there. You know, kind of wherever the car goes, it just its head is just moving. Bobblehead Jesus. That's not the Jesus of the scripture. And the apostle Peter here says this, look. He says, the way I'm going to stir up your, your pure minds, or your minding years of things, is that you may be mindful of what? Of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets. Not criticize those words, not question those words, not say which of those words is authoritative, which of those words is true, which of those words is genuine, authentic. No. Think about the words. What do you need to do to think about the words of Scripture? You have to know what they are. Hello? I have a pastor friend in Florida. He always preaches like, he must have a crooked back from doing this. He preaches like, he always leans on his left arm into his pulpit like this. He's a tall man. When I preach in his pulpit, I feel like I'm like this. But he, he leans like this, and he says, 
He leans over, he pulls his, his reading glass out. He says, hello? And he draws his face out. Hello? You have to know what the words are. How do you know what the words are? You've got to spend time in the book. Verse 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. Huh, does that sound like having yourself as your own authority? Walking after your own lust. Well, I think the Bible means this. Well, I don't think it means that. Well, I think, I think, I think, I, 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 I. My preferred pronouns. What are your preferred pronouns? Well, my favorite pronoun is you and yours. <laughs> what are your preferred pronouns? Walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Some of you that are studying apologetics and some of you that are studying uh, Genesis and how the creation makes sense more than evolution does, this is referring perhaps to uniformitarianism. The idea that Everything has always been the same. There's never been a catastrophe as in a global flood. That it took millions and millions of years, grain upon grain upon grain of sand, to fall and form the Grand Canyon. I read a book uh, last uh, this past year called The Man Who Walked Through Time. It's about a man who walked the entire distance of the Grand Canyon within the National Park, down below the river. And it is full of all this... It took me, I, as I stood there in the bottom of the canyon and pondered the eons of time, the millions upon millions of years, how one grain of sand fell and blew from the desert, and then another grain of sand, and eventually, really? A grain of sand, and a grain of sand, and a grain of sand? Do grains of sand fall and collect? Do they blow and collect and then stack up? Or does mud do that pretty well? Samuel was showing me a, a book the other day. There is a canyon in Texas that formed within the last, was it 10 years ago? A reservoir, a lake filled up and, and the wall of the lake collapsed. It was somehow higher than the surrounding area. And, and the wall collapsed and the water rushed out and it formed within just a matter of days a canyon. Verse 5. For this they willingly are ignorant of. In Greek that means dumb on purpose. <laughs> For this they willingly are ignorant of. By the way, that's what, when someone says I'm an agnostic, that's what it means. I'm a non-knower. I'm ignorant on purpose. I don't know. That's what four-year-olds say when they've done something wrong. What did you do? Why did you? I quit asking my kids, why did you do that? Because <laughs> it doesn't matter why. If they did wrong, they did wrong. What, but I used to ask, why did you? I don't know. <laughs> Who did that? I don't know. There's only one one and a half year old in the house, there's peanut butter strewn from the bed all the way down the hallway. Who did that? I don't know. I'm an agnostic. I'm willingly ignorant. 
For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God. So this is a fact now. Peter's saying this is a fact, and people are willingly ignorant of this fact. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being over, overflowed with water, perished. There was a flood. There was a worldwide flood. As, uh, what's that, Buddy Davis? Oh, there really was a worldwide flood. Just look at the, the stony truth. There are billions of dead things buried in rock layers, laid down by water, all over the earth. <laughs> Verse 7, but the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store. By what same word? Apparently, God, by the authority of his voice, is keeping everything ready and keeping everything up. By the same word, our captive store reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. God is holding it all ready, prepared for judgment because of the ungodliness of mankind. God is going to burn everything up someday. Because of the sin of mankind. So, there was an old Southern Gospel song. Oh, 20 years ago, it was a, what was that group called? They were a, a black trio. And, uh, and black people can sing in a way that white people just can't. Mm -hmm. And it, it, in ways, Chinese people can't. Now, they just got something. But these these three black men stand there and they you know they got their bass guitar and their guitar and the song was um, it was about Noah's flood and it said that uh, it won't be water but fire the next time. <laughs> God said there's not going to be a worldwide flood of water. He specifically said a flood of waters again to cover the whole earth. There's going to be a fiery flood. Verse eight, but <coughs> beloved. Be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Don't be ignorant. Don't be an agnostic. Don't say, oh, no, when it's something that you shouldn't know. And as we come into this new year, I believe that what he tells us in verses 9 through 18, he's going to give us some, some really practical, doable steps that we can take as we step into the new year and as we walk through the new year. Let's look at that and see what God has for us as we enter 2024. Father, we thank you that we can open the Word of God and we thank you that you've given it to us pure, perfect, and preserved, and so powerful. And Father, we ask you to speak to us as we open this book today. And Father, we ask you to glorify the Lord Jesus in our lives as we obey what we read in the book. Bless your people, draw sinners to Christ, and above all, be magnified in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. And as you go through verse 9, I just want to ask you some questions to think about based on the text, okay? Just think about these questions based on the text. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. How does God treat his promises? Does he keep his promises or does he just 
Kesarasarama, whatever will be, will be. He always keeps his promises. God is a promise keeping, a covenant keeping God. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Question Who does the Lord desire will not perish? According to this verse, he's not willing that any should perish. Who does he desire will come to repentance? Who does he will? What is his will, according to this verse? What is his will? Who should not who, who should repent? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Look with me at Ezekiel chapter 33. Ezekiel 33. We'll look at just a few other cross-references this morning. Because I want you to see this is not uh, this is not anyone's opinion. This is scripture. This is what the Bible says. And uh, just in case it's it's a question. I don't think among us sitting here, but perhaps someone watching might wonder, what is this church's position on this question that seems to be popular today that the New Testament is authoritative but not the Old Testament. Let it be clear, as, as a former president used to say, <coughs> let me be clear. Let me be clear. Kind of sounds like, you know, don't we, don't, don't you need to be clear with us? Let me be clear. Let us be clear. The Old Testament is Scripture. The New Testament is Scripture. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Old Testament and New Testament. Ezekiel 33 verse 11. This is what God says. Say to them, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Isn't that plain as mud? Is that clear? Look at chapter 18. Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 31. Ezekiel 18, verse 31. Cast away from you all your transgressions whereby you have transgressed, and make you a new heart and a new spirit. By the way, in the New Testament we find out that new heart and new spirit comes from the new birth. By faith in Jesus Christ, right? For why will you die, O house of Israel? Verse 32, for I have, here it is again, no pleasure in the death of him of him that dieth, saith the Lord. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live ye. No pleasure. In other words, pleasure uh, is, it means basically the same thing as his will. It's not my will. It's not my will. It's not my pleasure. If you ever watch any of the uh, British movies or old movies with a king, they might, or someone who has, has money and, and, and authority, someone might say, what is your pleasure, sir? Which means, what is your will? What do you want done? It is not God's pleasure that the wicked die, but that they turn from their ways. And then they'll live if they did. Second Peter chapter 3, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, for not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Verse 10. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Now, 
briefly, briefly, what is the day of the Lord? The day of the Lord appears to be the period of time that stretches from the tribulation to the very end. Meaning when it all comes to a close. When the Lord wraps it all up. That's the day of the Lord. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. In the which the heavens shall pass away with the great noise. Oh, so here's what's going to happen in the day of the Lord. The heavens shall pass away with the great noise. And the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. How is this, how is the, the last day, how are the last days described here? How is the day of the Lord described? Would you say the word catastrophe is a good word? I mean, absolute destruction. The heavens shall pass away. The heavens meaning the atmosphere and everything above it. From our perspective, everything above it. Meaning the universe. <coughs> the universe shall pass away with a great noise. I mean, what kind of a noise is that going to be if, if the universe implodes or explodes or however this, this happens? The elements shall melt with fervent heat. What does the elements mean? The elements. Is this talking about on the atomic level? Watching a, was I reading or watching? It's been probably a year or more. I was watching a video about some some men on a Navy sailors, British Navy, Royal Navy sailors on a ship, and for some reason the Royal Navy was involved in these nuclear tests that the U.S. was doing. But they weren't told what was happening except that cover your eyes. <laughs> I mean, they were miles and miles away from the blast site, but they said they were told, cover your eyes. So some of them did. All of them covered their eyes. One man said he turned around. He faced away from the blast. With his hands over his eyes, he said he could see when the blast happened, he said, I could see my bones in my fingers through my skin facing away from it with my eyes closed that's power that's what happens when when uh, atoms are are taken apart the way they're not supposed to be taken apart someone is holding it all together and someday that one who's holding it all together is going to release it It says here in verse 10, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. When the Lord taught on, in the Sermon on the Mount, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Remember that? Yeah. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. Did he have maybe this in mind? Not only, not only can moths eat clothing, not only can rust destroy metal objects, not only can mold ruin everything. <laughs> I just read cough, like I had to take the old cough out of my shower stall this week and put new cough in. It was looking kind of gross, actually. Pull that stuff in, put that new white cough. It looks pretty now. 
rust, mold, mildew. Not just those things, but someday, fire. It says here in verse 10, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. And I want to simply ask you this question. Where are you investing all of your time, all of your skill, all of your ability, all of your energy? Where are you investing your life? Is it all on this earth? Or is it somewhere above where it's not going to be burned up? I have great admiration for people that can work with wood. I, brother friends that comes to my, our house and he does some runs. I'm like, wow, it's amazing. I've seen him make things with a circular saw on our fingers. And he still has fingers. <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen him make things. I think, how did you do that? Wow, it's amazing. It's amazing. And I see so many guys on YouTube that teach how to do this and how to do that. Oh, that's me. I admire that. It's, it's, that's what we heard this morning, common sense from even un, unsafe people even. Common sense. We can learn a lot. And young men and young ladies, we ought to have some skills. I got some skills in this life. But if that's all you're thinking about, it's what's going to happen to it according to this verse? It's going to be burned up. I'm listening to a really interesting book called Wisdom of Our Fathers by uh, Tim Russett. He was a he died as a pretty young man. He was a, a news reporter. And he wrote a book about his father. And then people responded so well to that as he did book signings, and people told him about their fathers. He said, how about a few people, he sent a message out somehow, probably through, uh, through CBS he worked for, um, or ABC. Send me your stories of your dad. So he compiled that. He got 60,000 emails. He said, I read every one. And his book is a compilation of, of, of some of those selections. It's really interesting. But so many times you see this theme that my dad took care of me. My dad worked hard to take care of me. My dad provided for our family. And that's good, that's noble, that's right. That's what a father should do. In fact, the Bible says that if a man provides not for his own, he's worse than an infidel. He's worse than someone who denies the faith. And yet, if that's all someone does, is provide for the physical, material, in this life, What's going to happen to it? According to verse 10, it's going to be burned up. It's going to be burned up. It's not going to last. Look at verse 11, 2 Peter 3, 11. Seeing then that all these things shall be, what's the word? Dissolved. 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 Have you ever poured a spoon of sugar or sprinkled salt into a glass of warm water? What happens to that? That substance that you add to the water, that salt or that sugar, what happens to it? It dissolves. You can't even see it. It's there, but it dissolves. You ever poured salt on a snail? <laughs> That's gross. I'm sorry. But we have a garden, and I hate snails, and I hate slugs. They eat our garden. And we have, uh, we have snail hunting parties that we do. My boys and I, we go out there, we find snails slugs and we throw them away and because they will climb out of the trash can you have to pour salt on them or they will climb they'll crawl out of the trash can and you can't pour 
this is this is just practical. You can't pour table salt or sea salt on your garden because it will kill or disguise the garden. Epsom salt. It kills the salt. It kills the, the snails and the slugs, but it doesn't hurt the garden. That's going to pass away soon. Burn up. <laughs> these things will be dissolved, seeing that all these things shall be dissolved. All these things. What things? Look, what things? Look around. All these things. All these things. I have some young men in my house that love cars. I can't keep up with these guys. We're going on the road. Dad, did you see that? What? That. And then name some car. I was watching the road, guys. <laughs> I was, we're going 45 miles an hour this way, divided highway car. Did you see that? What? <laughs> Now, the older boys, they'll give me a, like a, a clock. They'll say, nine o'clock! You know, that, I, I know what that means, but some of the younger ones, Daddy, what's that? <laughs> what, 60 miles an hour, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> All these things. All these things. All these things shall be dissolved. It's all going to be like salt in a glass of warm water. Be dissolved. Gone. Seeing that this is going to happen, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Ah, okay. Now Peter is getting to the point here. Because all this is going to happen. Because this world is going to pass away. Because the elements are going to melt with fervent heat. What kind of people should you be? How should we live? Who is the author of the book? How shall we then live? Francis Schaeffer. How shall we then live? Seeing this is going to happen. Seeing that the earth is going to burn up someday and everything in it is nothing's going to last. What kind of people should we be? What effect should it have? Well, it should have some, it should have several different effects on us. Verses 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, and 18. 17 and 18 tell us how knowing all of this should affect us. <clears throat> you know, knowledge should affect you. What you learn should affect how you live. We heard a very good Bible study this morning about wine. <coughs> if you weren't here, listen to the recording of it. Get on Facebook or wherever, uh, Sermon Audio and, or the church website and listen to that. It's a good a good. Bible study on something that is very practical to know. What we know should affect us. Should affect the way we live. You, you know, by the way, if you didn't know before, don't put salt in your garden. You know that, so don't do it now. We've got, you, you, most of you know that we have a, a very young, a 16-month-old child in our house. And we don't have a fence in the front yard. And uh, the kids are outside playing. The only kids play on the street. It's safe to play on the street. We can see cars coming. 
So they're far away both sides. No problem. Someone's always watching. Their day, the 16-month-old had a, well, someone gave him a, a volleyball. And he was loving that volleyball. He's holding it up, running it. He doesn't kick it. He runs into it. <laughs> Giggles and that. He'd kick it out into the street. Well, we don't want him to think that we can go on the street. Even if, if, if it's safe at the moment, we don't want him to think we can go on the street because he does not understand. Look left, look right, and do it again before you step on the asphalt. So he was running out there, and I happened to be watching with my camera, and I happened to get two pictures. I'll send them to you if you want to see them. Two pictures. One is his mommy running after him and my wife gets a look on her face when she is intent on something. She does this. Her, her mouth comes on the, and you can see it in profile. She is intent on grabbing that kid and she's going after him and he's running. <laughs> but she's got a hold of his shirt and his shirt is pulled out about six, seven inches from his body. So she's got him. <laughs> the next picture is shortly after that. I'm sorry, she was after him. The second picture, she's got him. And he's standing there like he's trying to get out the street. About 12 feet away, the soccer ball is in the street. And he's standing there trying to get to it, and she's got all of it. What did I say on that? He's going to learn some things, I guess. And he, he doesn't know, he doesn't get it yet, that it's not safe for him to play in the street. He doesn't know. He just, he's a 16 month old. I have a three year old. He was outside there today. I said, Did you ask mommy if he could go outside? Now he's learned to say what he thinks I want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> I said, Mommy, I call her mommy. Mommy, did you tell him to go outside? No. <laughs> and he's got to the point now, I look at him like this. And he goes, <laughs> because he knows something. His knowledge is affecting him. What we know should affect the way we live. Now, Peter's going to tell us about some things that all of this should affect the way we live. Seeing them, that means, okay, now you know something, now I'm going to tell you how to live. What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation? That means holy way of living. And don't let the word conversation throw you off. And don't let the people that want to attack or criticize our Bible say, it says conversation, but that's a false friend. Conversation only means the way you live. Your Bible ought to say lifestyle. No, it should say conversation. Because the way you live speaks. Holy conversation and godliness. Looking for and hasting into the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Seeing, you know this, how should it affect you? Look at verse 13 now. Nevertheless, we, we who? We that know him. We that are in Christ. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for something. We're not sitting here saying, oh, it's all going to come to an end, so my life is pointless. It's all a waste of time. It's all going to burn up, even if even if there are a thousand more generations. 
life is so pointless. No. Yeah. And then you see them trying to reason around it. No, I think it's not pointless because because it is such an adventure that it's all going that you're gonna die like a dog and turn back to dust. That's an adventure. Pity those poor people. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Amen. No more night, no more death, no more disease, no more destruction, no more sadness, no more sickness, no more sorrow. Absolute perfection. You have this 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 movement in, in mostly in progressive Christianity, this call for justice. There's a church here in town. Well, I'm not sure if it's still here. I think maybe COVID closed it down, but it was meeting just a few blocks away from here. And they said our theme is we're seeking justice in the earth. Yeah. Is it the, the 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 mission of the church to evangelize the world and is it the purpose of the meeting of the church to edify the saints and exalt the Lord Jesus Christ through all of it? Isn't that what we're supposed to be about? Exalting Jesus? We're fighting for justice. How? How? With what? With what weapons do you fight? <laughs> justice is very similar to the word righteousness in scripture. And in the new heavens and new earth you're going to have Justice will have been done. The wicked will have been punished. The righteous will have been rewarded and will receive the reward through eternity. And if you're righteous in Christ, that's you on that side. You're going to enjoy the just. So really, ultimately, the best will listen. Yes, we want for those who are committing crimes to be punished. We want those who are innocent and victimized to, to be uh, recompense. Of course, we want justice done. But ultimately, the best way to fight for justice in this world is is really to deliver the gospel message. Because if someone believes the gospel message, then no matter what the outcome may be in a court system here, or God forbid, a vigilante system, in eternity there will be justice. Verse 14, wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, <coughs> be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. What's that mean? That means that when he comes again, be diligent. The way, the way Paul said this to Timothy was take heed to thyself. Pay attention to yourself. Keep an eye on yourself. Be diligent that what? That when he comes, you may be found in him, how? In peace, without spot and blameless. What does this mean? In peace. That means living in forgiveness and harmony with others. That means taking 95% of the discussions on Facebook and X 
and throwing them out the window and not being involved in them because most of the most of that has nothing to do with peace. This doesn't mean uh, world peace. This is talking about interpersonal peace. Peace. When he comes, he wants to find us in peace. Without spot. What's that without spot? That means clean in conscience toward God. Well, Hudson Taylor's wife died, his first wife, Maria. She died, I think, of a fever in China in the 18, uh, I want to say 1860s. Her last words were, all of these years, not a shadow between my Savior and me. Not a shadow between my Savior and me. That doesn't mean she thought she was perfect or sinless. It means that she had fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ for many years, and it was good fellowship. And she didn't let anything come between her and her Savior. That's a good testimony. If that's true, that's a great testimony. What a great dying testimony. All of these years, I haven't let anything come between my Savior and me. Clean in conscience toward God, without spot. Without spot. Oh, it's just a little bit. Is that what he wants? Just a little bit? Sometimes we, we pull a dish out of the dishwasher and one of the kids says, this spoon isn't clean. I thought this was all. We need to get a new dishwasher. <laughs> no, we don't. If you've ever taken out a dishwasher and reinstalled the dishwasher, don't. if you don't have to, don't do it. Uh, let me just speak from experience. You don't, you don't want to do it if you don't have to. It's what they're looking at. The spot, the thing is probably clean, but it looks like there's just a little spot on there. But even in something as, as small and unimportant as that, we don't want a spot. We don't want a spot. I was cleaning that shower out there today, and I was this. Well, that had to pull the mildew stuff out, but then there were still some spots on there. On the wall. I took the Clorox, I scrubbed it. And it says, wait 30 seconds. And scrub it. I waited 30 seconds. And then I got an old toothbrush and I scrubbed that. Because I want my wife to open that shower curtain and say, wow, I'll work all day long just to hear her say, wow. One time. <laughs> the gentlemen understand this. We want to hear those ding, 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 ding. And I and the spot came off. Oh, the spot was gone. The shower now is spot. Actually, it's not spotless. There's still spots. I still got still trying to figure out how to get rid of them. It's the spray paint the thing. Maybe. It's the old thing. <laughs> One solid color. God wants us to be spotless in our conscience. And I'm afraid that with our technology today. It's becoming increasingly difficult to keep that kind of a conscience. It's so easy to defile our conscience. It's so easy to get full of spots in our conscience. In places that only God knows about. I mean, it's easy just to waste time. How many of you have ever done this? Don't raise your hand. Just, just nod at me or something. <laughs> Lie in bed at night, get on, uh, I won't say the name of the app, the platform. I'll just give it its generic name, social media. 
We don't know what that means. And do this. Watch. Watch my finger. Watch my finger. Watch you do this right here. Oh. And then reels comes up, right? You know what I'm talking about. You can raise your hand with this. Who knows what reels what I'm talking about? Reels. Okay, thank you, Keith. And there's like five or six, and they play about two seconds of a reel to get you hooked. And you're, oh, that's interesting. You see a guy jumping off a building with a with a with a bicycle. Well, that guy's dumb. And then it gives you more reels going this way. And how many of you have ever had the experience? Don't raise your hand, it's just not or something. You start going to that, and that one's done, you go to the next one. Oh, what's next? And what's next? And before you know it, 30 minutes have gone by. And even if you did not see a single wicked thing, and chances are, if you spent that much time on there, you're going to see something. Even if you don't stop and look at it, you, you see it. Or hear it. But even if you didn't, if you are a Christian who's in tune with God, do that. And here's, here's, here's the experience I want to ask you if you can have. But don't raise your hand. Oh, Father, I'm just, I just wasted time. I just wasted 30 minutes of my life. That's a defiled conscience. And when he comes back, he wants us not to have a defiled conscience. He wants to be without spot. Oh, you're you're so you're so legalistic. No, I, we just don't want him to find us with a defiled conscience. We just want that when he comes back to be without spot. It should affect us. Knowing all of these things should affect us that there is going to be fiery judgment and that there's going to be new heavens and new earth. It should affect us and that when he comes back, we want to be living in peace. We want to be without spot. And in verse 14, and blameless. What does blameless mean? That means your testimony before others, your testimony before men. And the idea is that someone can throw something at you and it just runs off you like water off a duck's back. It doesn't stick. It doesn't stick. They can accuse you of this or that, but because of your testimony, it just runs off. I think it was uh, 2020, a well-known evangelist died. <clears throat> and then a few months later, things came out about his personal life that were disgusting. Embarrassing, wicked, sinful, evil. And unfortunately, sadly, it stuck. His name is marred. It affected his wife's life, it affected his children. They took his name off of the he led a ministry, it was a huge they took his name off the ministry. They removed all of his books, and there were many. They removed all of his recordings, and there were many. From all of his articles, they took it all off. Because it stuck. Why? He wasn't blameless. But there are some people, if you heard, if you heard an accusation like that, you would, you would say, I know that person. I know that Christian. That would never happen. 
that would never happen. Because we know that the person is blameless. There's nothing in that person's life that would give you a, a place to hook the dirt onto. He's clean. That's what the Lord wants us to be like. Because of what's coming, be ready to meet him. How? Be blameless. Have a clean life. And then verse 15, he says this. An account that, this, that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Now here's a practical takeaway from, from verse 15. From that, from that part right there in verse 15. Account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. You are not going to keep yourself holy. You're not going to make yourself blameless. You're not going to be godly. You're not going to be without spot and living in peace and be blameless on your own. And doing these things is not going to give you salvation. Your salvation comes from, from the Lord, from his long-suffering, from his patience. That's where it comes from. And so you get that foundation settled. You be sure that your, your hope of eternal salvation is in the Lord Jesus Christ, from the Lord himself. Salvation is of the Lord. And then because of that, then you start living this way. You, you plead with him, you ask him, you, you seek him, you draw nigh to him so that he can make you to be what he wants you to be. That's why it says in verse 14, be found of him. Of him. Be found of him means by him. That is when he comes. Of course he sees us now. But when he comes, it will be in our perspective that he is finding us. And what else? Verse 17, ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. He's not saying, beware that you fall from salvation, but beware that you fall from standing firm on the truth of the word of God, and be sure and be steady that you don't fall away from living the right way. And falling away from living the right way, to keep yourself from falling from living the right way you have to keep yourself from falling away from thinking the right way that's why it says beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked this nonsense about well, the, the biggest uh, the biggest hindrance to people coming to Christ is the Old Testament. The the, the idea that uh, I don't know how far back there. His name Joel. It's too easy to harp on him, isn't it? He's 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 too easy a target. Don't be led away with the error of the wicked, lest you fall from your own steadfastness. You'll fall from living right if you fall from thinking right. Yeah. So make sure you think right. Make sure you guard your mind. And the best way to guard your mind is to fill it with truth. Man. And do we know where to find truth? Yeah. Well, where can I find truth? I have this funny thing whenever I'm on a trip somewhere, I'll, I'll, uh, especially if there's a place where there's lots of uh, bears. We've been several places where there are bears or mountain lions, things like that. And I'll, I'll just take pictures, random pictures of places I've been. Uh, and I'll, I'll have this thing about, I couldn't find, we didn't see any bears. But all throughout it, you know, there's images of bears, stuffed bears, carved bears, 
and I'll get them with my <coughs> trusty uh, sidekick, <coughs> my selfie thing. <laughs> and I'll get a picture of like there's a bear you know behind me. I'll position myself so the bear is behind my head or on my head, and I'll be able to like like where's the bear? I can't find any bears. I can't find. It's right there. You know when 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 we went to Alaska. I went to Alaska and Dad came visit with me for three days. And I want ask him. I wanted desperately to see a bull moose. And someone told me, in Anchorage, you're gonna be in Anchorage for three days. Oh, you'll see a bull moose for sure. Didn't see one. I found their droppings. I found fresh footprint tracks in the snow. There's one here. Didn't see so one cow. Moose cow, cow moose, moose cows. <laughs> and about 100 yards away. And Dad was driving, I said, and he knew I was looking for it. All day I was looking for it. We're up uh, on the Turnigan Arm. The Turnigan Arm. And we're up there, and we're coming back toward Anchorage, and moose! He says, no, really? <laughs> I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, can you go back? So he stopped. There were no cars in the road for miles either way. And he backed up, and I got my, my camera, and I picked my picture and it was so far away, I couldn't even zoom in. I just barely this little thing. <laughs> so we went to these, you know, the, the tourist shops in Anchorage, and there's antlers here, and moose there, and all these. And I took, take pictures. Where's the moose? Where's the moose? Can't find the moose. It's right behind. Where's the moose? Why did I snow? Where's the tree? Where's the tree? Yeah, where's the tree? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> what I do without my mother? <laughs> Where's the truth? I can't find the truth. Where's the truth? <laughs> I don't know what to do. I don't know how to live. I don't know what to say. I don't know. <laughs> Let's not be dumb on purpose. <laughs> Let's not be ignorant, willingly ignorant. <laughs> Don't fall in your thinking so that you won't fall in your living. So that when he comes, he's pleased with what he finds. Verse 18, but, do this, but do this. Grow in grace. So to keep yourself from falling in your thinking and to keep yourself from falling in your living, verse 18, but grow in grace. Oh, I think our Chinese Bible, the way it's translated, it means advance in grace. That means not only receiving the grace of God to you, but advancing, growing in it, increasing in it, in your own life, and God's kindness. I, I, I know I joke about some of the silly things that little children do, but oh, God has taught me so much through Having children. He taught me about having grace. And about treating them when they either don't deserve it or don't understand it. Kindness. And then saying to myself, God is so gracious to me. And it brings it into sharp focus for me in ways that I never saw it before. Oh boy. If I get upset about if I think that's dumb, what that guy just did, then how much more is it ignorant for me to 
like this way as, as a grown man who knows what who knows the book. I've been through it several times, and I've been walking with God for 27 years now. I don't know better, and I'm still making some of these mistakes, but God is so gracious to me. Keep growing in grace, in grace. Keep growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's such a, a good statement. I think I only heard it once or twice. I'm not sure. I heard it in a sermon years ago. There was an evangelist named Peter visiting another another city, and uh, someone who knew him who happened to live in that city, came to hear him preach. And he said, Brother Peter, now I think this man was an immigrant from Europe. He, he had an accent. He said, Brother Peter, I've been all over this city, and I just want to get into a good Jesus meeting. In other words, I've been all over this town looking for a church where Jesus really is the focal point, where he really is the center of attention, and I just can't find, I just want to get to a church where Jesus is, is the center of everything. And Peter's reminding us here, grow in, his, in the knowledge of him. Grow in truth about Jesus Christ. So as we step into the new year, take heed to yourself. Pay attention to how you think, how you live. Pay attention to your, your personal dealings. Be found of him in peace. Pay attention to your conscience before God so that you'll be without spot when he comes. Uh, <clears throat> pay attention to your your testimony so that you'll be blameless before him when you come. And keep growing in grace. And keep growing in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Get to know him better this year. Draw an eye to God. Make that a goal this year. People have goals they set. We visited a a lady who's a realtor, and uh, in her bathroom, in her shower, she has a laminated card that has all these different goals that she has set for her life. And one is to make this X amount of money and to uh, sell X amount of X number of houses. I thought, wow, she is ambitious. Not, nothing wrong with having goals, but let's make sure we have the right goals. And as we enter this year, if you're going to make resolutions, <coughs> Or if you're going to have repentings, <laughs> or if you are going to have goals set, how about this? This year, I'm going to grow in grace. This year, I'm going to grow. I'm going to expand my knowledge of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, if you had no other goal, if that was your only goal, if that were your only goal, wouldn't that be good? If you could get to the end of 2024, look back and say, you know, I didn't accomplish a whole lot, but by God's grace, with his help, I learned to be more like Jesus, growing in grace, and I learned more about him. Amen. Wouldn't that be awesome? Amen. That'd be awesome. And, yes, awesome. Be an amazing thing. <laughs> Father, as we enter... 2024, I pray that you would please help us to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We don't know when, you're, when the Lord Jesus, your Son, is coming for us. We don't know when that day of the Lord will happen, but it could be this coming year. So I pray we'd be ready for that. And I pray that we will take heed to ourselves. I pray that we will 
be found of thee in peace without spot and blameless. We thank you for what you will do, what you have done in 2023, and what you will do in and through and for and by us in 2024. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen.